My granny's truck had a gear named after her. It's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that sleeps late every morning. He knows Oklahoma means red man. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. If my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, told you who I was, you really don't need to hear it from me again, but I like saying my own name, so I'm going to tell you, this is Doug Jones, and I am here to help you feel confident and comfortable with the idea of enrolling in Medicare picking the right Medicare supplemental coverages and uh, coming out the other side smelling like a rose. The way that I often assist people in accomplishing that is to suggest that they buy my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man. Right now, the 2023 edition is the current one that's available, and it might sound like it's out of date, but in reality, the vast majority of the information contained within that book is still exactly correct and uh, very thorough and it's all you really need to have a clear understanding of the medicare procedures and the medicare regulations and the medicare things to avoid so go right ahead and feel comfortable buying and using medicare for the lazy man 2023 as your guide if you're contemplating an an enrollment in Medicare anytime soon. And what you're going to find if you go to buy that book is if you go to barnesandnoble.com or if you go to amazon.com and put the title of the book in the search window, Medicare for the Lazy Man, you're going to find that there are several different uh, editions of the book available for your purchase. You can buy the uh, tried and true paperback. You can buy the... uh, audible book wherein somebody maybe me reads the book to you you don't really have to do any work and just lay there and let that knowledge wash over you for a very reasonable price of about four dollars you can get the kindle version and you can get that instantly downloaded to your kindle reader and you if you're a high roller you can choose the 22 dollar medicare for the lazy man hardcover version And that thing is a piece of work. I'll tell you, the Amazon engineers have outdone themselves in constructing that particular book. It's got the hardcover, so it's durable. It's beautiful. It has colorful interior illustrations, and it's just a sight to behold. So buy Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. Uh, Be well informed about your Medicare options and what things to stay away from and go forth into the future with a confident, happy attitude. And speaking of confident, happy attitudes, I'm looking at a guy right now who is always happy and usually confident. Randy Carson, tell us about how your life is going, Randy. Oh, my life is just peachy keen this week. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. You don't sound that peachy or keen. You don't sound uh, (laughs) as optimistic as I was hoping to hear. I was, I was, doing a little bit of extra studying while you were doing that intro to see which one of my wonderful stupid state laws I wanted to hit oh, you with boy. today. Well, pick out a stupid one. They're always entertaining. All right. So have we, I'm going to have to depend on your memory. 
Have we talked about South Dakota? No, that's a new one on me. Oh, you're going to love this one. It's, that's Christy Nome's stomping ground. I hope she's not responsible for this stupid law. You got it. So anyway, you're not allowed to do something in a cheese factory in South Dakota. What would that be, Doug? Would it involve flatulence? Well, that nope. might come after, you, after you've left the <laughs> cheese factory. <laughs> I'm guessing that you're not allowed to expectorate. You are not allowed to expectorate within a cheese factory. Nope. No. All right. Um, I'm going to say that you're not allowed to turn the thermostat up to extraordinarily warm temperatures because the cheese is going to rot that much faster. I don't yeah. know what I don't know what I would have to do in a cheese factory. If I were in a cheese factory, what would my options be? Well, I don't know. Just to, you know, you read some of these laws, Doug, and you go, "Oh my God, where did that ever come up at?" But I'm going to read it to you. I have no idea where it came from, but it's obviously a law on the books in South Dakota. You are not allowed to sleep in a cheese factory. Okay. Now, can you tell me why one might be discouraged from sleeping? Well, I'm going to read you the description and you can, you know, make of it what you will. All righty. It's not the brightest idea to fall asleep at the wheel or work on heavy equipment. Okay, I'll okay. go along with that. All right, I'll believe that one. In the yep. Mount Rushmore state, you will be prosecuted under state law if you fall asleep in a cheese factory. Don't know. Okay, I've, I've lost the relationship there, but apparently there's some big equipment in cheese factories. Or, or maybe maybe it's a different, uh, Let's let's take a different tack on this. Could it be a California cheesecake factory well, that they're talking okay. about? Yeah, it's not what that's not how they're describing it, but okay. Is there said, more to the? Yo, know, yeah. There's another sentence there. If you fall asleep, I'll, I'll end up with the previous. If you fall asleep in a cheese factory, however, if you fall asleep standing up in a cheese factory, then you have nothing to worry about. So you're not in violation of the law if you're falling asleep standing up in a cheese factory in South oh, Dakota. Boy, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, and you know, some people might be thinking that's crazy. How can you fall asleep standing up? Well, I was so sleep deprived in my first year of college between my girlfriend and my fraternity and my studies. Uh, I one day fell asleep in the shower. Uh, it was so really? warm and comfy. I was standing in the shower and I just fell asleep right there. How could that be, Doug? Well, it doesn't seem possible, but I know I was asleep until somebody else. It was a big shower room, you know, like a, uh, a fraternity house, community bathroom with a big shower stall room. And uh, uh, somebody came in and woke me up. Hey, Jones, wake up. And, were you uh, standing up, leaning on oh, the wall? Yeah. or what, I was what standing up. I don't remember if I was leaning on the wall or not. I know that it was so soothing. And uh, I thought, if I fall asleep, nothing bad's going to happen to me. So here I go. And it was uh, just like getting on a carnival ride. Uh, it there was, you go. <laughs> so there yes, you go. I was. I was standing up, and I was sound asleep. Well, that is a that is news. I didn't know a person could fall asleep standing up without leaning on something. But you know, it's amazing the things that the human body is capable yeah, of doing. And, and I'm going to tell you just a little bit of a short story here. Please do. Fun fun fact. Do you know how cow? Do you know how horses stand up and sleep? Sure. Well. Oh, I know that they do. I don't know that they, I need to know any more about it than that. They have they have specific pieces in their in their joints 
that lock so oh, they can okay. stand up so they can stand up and sleep. Okay, now I didn't know that. That's interesting. How about cows? I think it's the same thing. They got well, locking locking joints. Well, now if I could go push a cow over while it's asleep, cow tipping. That, yes, That's a big, but can you I never hear about horse tipping. Is that possible? I've never heard of that. No, there's got to be a reason why nobody ever tips horses while they're asleep, but yet all kinds of people tip cows over. I'll look into that, Doug. Please, please do. A little research would be good. <laughs> <laughs> while you're doing that, I'll proceed with our Medicare content for today. How's there that? There you go. Let's let's get her done. We are right Already? on schedule, Doug. I like that. I like being on schedule. And I bet the audience does too. They don't want to sit here all day listen to us, uh, you know, go back and forth about tipping animals over while they're asleep. Um, here is a fun, fun thing that Elon Musk has created for us, and uh, it is coming into the realm of reality. Yeah, I hope you've heard of it, but you may not have. So I'm going to tell you all about it right now. It is a thing that Elon Musk came up with called Neuralink. N-E-U-R-A-L-I-N-K. <clears throat> that is the implantation of a chip inside the brain of an animal or, <laughs> uh, even more fun, of a human. And so this article I have uh, from USA Today is uh, basically promoting Elon Musk's search for uh, what I like to call crash test dummies, or in this case, they would be called trial participants. Uh, the search for human participants is on as Neuralink embarks on its first clinical trial. Neuralink is a tech startup owned and co-founded by Elon Musk, and it received FDA approval last May to implant brain chips into humans. The company has also approved, uh, received approval from an institutional review board and has a hospital site in place to open participant recruitment, according to uh, a blog post. The goal of the um, brain-computer interface, they call it BCI, the goal of the brain-computer interface is to grant people with paralysis the ability to control a computer cursor or a keyboard using their thoughts alone. Precise, robotically implanted brain-computer interface or prime, uh, like they're just like the government. They love acronyms. <clears throat> so prime stands for precise robotically implanted brain computer interface. Uh, it's not even spelled like the real word prime. Anyway, it's a six year study that aims to evaluate the safety of the implant and surgical robot. In addition to the overall functionality of the brain computer interface software. Eligible participants will have an RI, a robot surgically place, oh, an RI, an R1 robot surgically place the N1 implant into a region of the brain that controls movement intention. After the N1 implant has been surgically placed, it's supposed to record and transmit brain signals wirelessly to an app that decodes movement intention. We're happy to announce that we've received approval from the Reviewing Independent Institutional Review Board, sounds a little redundant, and our first hospital site to begin recruitment for our first in-human clinical trial. Neuralink uh, wrote that online, and um, let's see here. Here's what we know so far. Questions and answers. What will Neuralink study entail? Participants will be asked to use the implant and the user app to control a computer 
and provide feedback about the system after the robot surgically places the implant. How is the Neuralink chip inserted into the body? Oh boy, that's that's the part I would want to know all about before I volunteered for this study. Neuralink has created a surgical robot, especially designed to embed the implant and its 64 ultra-thin flexible connected threads upon which are 1,024 electrodes that will record neural activity. The robot has five built-in camera systems and uses optical coherence tom uh, tomography for the non-invasive imaging of brain tissue. The robot uses a needle as thin as a human hair, which inserts the threads exactly where they need to be. Question, what does the Neuralink brain chip actually do? Neuralink's goal with its human trials is to eventually enable a person with paralysis to use a computer or a phone with their brain activity alone. The Neuralink 1 implant actually includes multiple chips, a wireless battery, and other electronics hermetically sealed within a device about the size of a large coin. Ooh, bigger than I would have thought. Several dozen ultra-thin threads protrude from the implant. Those go directly into the brain. Signals from the implant are sent via Bluetooth to and decoded by a brain-computer interface, which would allow a person to, for instance, control an on-screen cursor or move a robotic limb. The first thing that we're gonna, uh, going after is a wireless implanted chip that would enable someone who is a tetraplegic or a quadriplegic to control a computer or mouse or their phone or really any device just by thinking. This obviously would be a massive enabler, making life e way easier for them. I'd say it's like a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires that go into your brain. This is what Elon Musk said in an interview a couple of years ago. Beyond helping paralyzed patients regain some mobility and communicate without typing, Neuralink's longer-term goals include helping restore full mobility and sight. The next question is, what should I know if I decide to sign up for a trial? Neuralink's study is expected to last a period of six years with almost two dozen follow-ups, uh, follow-up visits scheduled to monitor a participant's progress and ensure that the brain-computer interface is working as intended. There will be a total of nine home and in-person clinical visits that will take place over the first year or a year and a half, which is the time frame for the primary study. Participants will also be asked to participate in a minimum of two research sessions per week in one-hour increments over the duration of the study. I guess you can't have a job and uh, participate in this study. The company will provide follow-up care for the next three and a half years with a total of 20 visits scheduled for the participants over that time period. Only study-related costs like travel expenses intended to cover transportation to and from the site will be that'll be the only form of compensation the participants re receive. Next question, how can I sign up for these uh, clinical trials? Neuralink has a few requirements in place to determine whether you may participate in the clinical trial. They are looking for individuals who, one, have quadriplegia with limited function in all four limbs due to spinal cord injury or uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, uh, and are at least one year after their injury without improvement. Uh, they also want people who are at least 22 years old and have a consistent and reliable caregiver. Individuals who have an active implanted device like a pacemaker or a deep brain stimulator 
have a history of seizures or require MRIs for ongoing medical conditions or are receiving transcranial magnetic stimulation uh, treatment, they will not be able to participate in the study. A foolproof way to determine eligibility for current or future trials will be by filling out an application on Neuralink's website. So if you want to sign up for uh, having a Neuralink brain chip installed inside your skull, then uh, that's some of the criteria. But uh, Neuralink, N-E-U-R-A link, is uh, the website to go to. Another little bit about this is, uh, does Elon Musk own the company? Questions and answers here. Eight founding members include Musk, and they launched Neuralink in 2016. Since then, all but Musk and one other co-founder have left. Musk is also the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX and founder of the Boring Company. I don't know what the Boring Company is, B-O-R-I-N-G. I don't know if they bore tunnels or bore people like me to death. He said he would, uh, Musk said he would transition to executive chairman and chief technology officer at Twitter uh, when uh, Linda so-and-so succeeds him at, as CEO. Does Neuralink test with monkeys? According to Neuralink's website, the company works with monkeys and pigs. The animal rights nonprofit Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine filed a lawsuit against the University of California at Davis earlier this year for brain experiments it conducted on 23 monkeys on behalf of Neuralink. The complaint accuses the university of failing to provide dying monkeys with adequate veterinary care. Neuralink has euthanized eight animals, according to its website. Two were euthanized at planned end dates for important biological or historological data. One due to device failure and four for suspected device-associated infections and one for surgical complication with bioglue. Neuralink says it's developed a new surgical protocol for future surgeries in response. We are absolutely committed to working with animals in the most humane and ethical way possible, says Neuralink in a blog post. While the facilities and care at UC Davis did and continue to meet federally mandated standards, we absolutely wanted to improve upon these standards as we transition animals to our in-house facilities. So Reuters in December reported that Neuralink was under federal investigation for potential animal welfare violations. Employees told the outlet that the company was rushing surgeries on animals and causing needless deaths. Well, you're always going to get a couple of... Uh, Cranky employees that may or may not get with the program. Uh, another couple of items about Neuralink. Um, Elon Musk's Neuralink wants people to control computers with their minds. How close are they to accomplishing this? Well, Neuralink is one step closer to selling brain implants that can transmit human thought. The uh, neurotechnology company announced last May that it had received approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to launch its first inhuman clinical trial. A statement on its Twitter account said the approval represents an important first step that will one day allow our technology to help many people. Um, hey, let's see. Here's what we know so far about the company's technology and ambitions. What is Neuralink used for? Well, I think we've studied that. It's a brain-computer interface that would allow people to control a computer or a telephone, or other items just by thinking about it. Is Neuralink FDA approved? Uh, it's Neuralink said in May that it received approval from the FDA to conduct its first inhuman clinical study. 
The company said recruitment is not yet open for the trial, but more information would be released soon. What does Neuralink do? Neuralink's plan is to have a surgical robot insert a device into areas of the brain that control movement. Well, I think we've addressed that. Frankly, I like the concept of not having to do anything. I mean, I thought a mouse was pretty good, and then I was forced to uh, buy a um, laptop computer and live without the mouse uh, while I was traveling. So I've gotten used to doing the um, uh, touchpad control of the computer. And uh, recently, a friend of mine was over, and he said, let me uh, print my boarding passes. And he sat down at my laptop computer at my desk and was flummoxed by his inability to figure out how to make the computer do what he wanted it to do. Well, if he had one of uh, Neuralink's uh, brain-computer interfaces, all he would have had to do is think about it, and the computer would have sprung into action action, and accomplished his task. Uh, and that uh, reminds me of a very hilarious recent video. Randy's probably seen it on YouTube, where a father uh, entices two teenage boys to figure out how to use a device, and um, he's gonna got some fantastic reward to offer them if they can successfully use the device to make a telephone call. And the device in question is a dial telephone from the 1950s or 60s. And it's pretty hilarious to watch these kids try to figure out how to make a phone call on a device that looks nothing like the phones that they have grown up using. So anyway, um, let's hope that Neuralink uh, lives up to the uh, fantastic potential and the hopes that uh, the uh, scientists have for it. I like the concept. I'm not sure that the uh, introduction of the device is going to be that uh, pretty to watch, but maybe it will do a lot of good for crippled people and uh, victims of uh, ALS, it says. So I think that's probably an excellent uh, use of the new technology. I've got something completely different here, and this is from our favorite gal, our favorite Medicare gal. It's Tony with an I because she's a girl. And she says, how to avoid the Medicare Part D as in dog penalty. Somebody wrote to her and said, hello, Tony. I read your article about how ignoring Medicare rules is costing Americans millions. And I believe I have made a mistake because I have not enrolled in Medicare Part D prescription drug plan. I need your help. I retired in August and had a telemarketing agent help me find a Medicare supplement which began September 1st. Okay, well, this person's not a complete idiot then. No one told me that I had a specific amount of time to enroll in my Medicare Part D as in dog plan. Currently, my prescriptions are generic. I use GoodRx to receive the discount. When I enrolled on December 15th for a new Medicare Part D as in dog plan, I was denied because I did not apply on time. I'm 70 and my Part D will begin next year when I'm 71. Medicare informed me that the Part D penalty will be 34, uh, well, the way it's written here, oh, yeah, 3.347 cents, 34.7 cents times 72 months since my Medicare Part A began six years ago at 65. I cannot believe that I must pay an extra $25 a month as a Part D penalty. Please explain this ridiculous Medicare Part D rule and when I can begin my plan. Thank you. And uh, this is signed Samuel from Chattanooga. Samuel, you will have to wait until the next Medicare annual enrollment period from October 15th to December 7th 
to enroll in a Medicare Part D drug plan. Your effective date will be January 1st of 2025. The good news is that you are currently taking generics and you can use GoodRx, uh, which is not what Medicare deems as creditable prescription drug plan, but you can use GoodRx until you enroll in a Medicare Part D program. During that time, uh, let's see. Hmm. Once you are past 65 and leaving creditable employers group coverage with a prescription drug plan, uh, Medicare gives you only 63 days, not 90 days, not eight months, but less than 63 days to enroll in a Medicare Part D or a Medicare Advantage plan with prescription drug coverage. Your late enrollment period did not begin from the day you left your company's health plan, nor from your uh, Medicare Part B start date. It began from the month you uh, enrolled in Medicare Part A. So it began when your Part A coverage began. The late enrollment penalty for Medicare Part D can be charged to you because you waited 63 days without credible prescription drug coverage upon leaving company benefits and you're older than 65 years and 90 days. Do not wait past 63 days to get Medicare Part D upon leaving company health insurance. Also, your company prescription drug benefits, not health insurance, were not credible as Medicare declares. You were never enrolled in Medicare Part D at the time you enrolled in Medicare Part A and Part B when you turned 65, and now you want to enroll. You delayed, mean you delayed your uh, Medicare drug plan enrollment, and you want to enroll long after your eligibility date. That's what she's saying here. Samuel, you were denied Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage because you met Medicare's late enrollment penalty rule and will receive the Part D penalty when you enroll during Medicare's annual enrollment period, a penalty which lasts a lifetime. Americans retiring after 65 who are leaving employer health plans and applying for Medicare Parts A and B must also prove that they've had credible coverage when applying for a Medicare Part D prescription drug plan. This is a Medicare rule. Now, the way I describe it, I'm, this is not Tony speaking now, this is Doug speaking. Here's the deal. If you buy a house and you move into that house and you live there happily for many, many years, um, one of the expenses that responsible people incur is homeowner's insurance. So the house would be covered against damage or destruction from, let's say, fire. Uh, so, or, you know, a, probably a, uh, a flood or, uh, other types of perils, they call them perils in the property insurance world, but your home would be insured against destruction from, let's say fire. Now you don't have insurance and you don't think you need insurance because it's your right not to have insurance. If you want to have uh, go without insurance, that's fine. How about all your neighbors? Yeah. Most of them may take the same route. Now, when your house catches on fire, you think, okay, I can get insurance very quickly because now I need the insurance. So you call your insurance agent and say, hey, my house is on fire. I want to get fire insurance on my house. Well, your insurance agent is going to tell you, sure, I've got a company here that will pay for uh, your house to be replaced. It's going to cost you about one and a half times the actual cost of the house. And you say, well, that's way too much money. Why is it so expensive for me to get homeowner's insurance just because my house is on fire? Well, the whole thing is if you only have insurance 
when you need it, then the insurance is going to be hugely expensive and unaffordable for almost everyone. Uh, the uh, government's reason for having these late enrollment penalties is if everybody participates that's eligible to participate, then the cost is spread because not everybody is going to need drugs. Not everybody is going to need Medicare treatment. Not everybody is going to need to use the benefits of the program. But if everybody is kicking into the system, then the cost of the insurance is less than the cost of the treatment. So this is the reason that they have late enrollment penalties to encourage, to strong arm people into participating in the program from the get-go, from the date of their eligibility. So that's my kind of convoluted explanation. And Randy, my convoluted uh, podcast is probably about to come to an end. I, you're, I just noticed your background is uh, something I haven't seen before. That's a really odd background for you compared to our usual uh, uh, visual <laughs> aids here. What the hell is that? That is a picture that Margaret took on one of our cruises. Wow. It looks and, like the uh, horizon is on fire. It yeah, it definitely does. It it was a morning shot. I don't well, you know, I don't remember whether it was a morning shot or an evening shot, but it really was it really was that gorgeous. Yeah, it looks and weird. Occasionally I like to put it in my background just to remember what it was like on that particular cruise. So anyway, guess what? Uh well, I, <laughs> there's so many things I could come up with. I'm going to let you tell me what, what you're our, uh, talking about. Our 75 cents is done, and we need to close up shop, land the plane on 32 left. Just keep track of that. So I will. That we don't run on, you know, we don't want to land on the wrong runway. But before we do that, everybody needs to take a pencil and write down this email address so you can reach out to Doug because he gets grumpy when he doesn't get any email dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you make decisions on your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. We would appreciate it if you could find a couple places to drop some reviews on the content that we produce, because the numbers mean a lot to us. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been a number of different places, and you weren't. You were with us exactly where we wanted you, listening to Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And by the way, if you didn't check, you were listening for 32 and a half minutes to Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He's up in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And I'm going to be nice to him today. I'm going to bring him in at a normal altitude. I'm going to put him in at about 6,200 feet. That's close enough for me. Thank you, Randy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>